Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Happy and blessed Saturday to everyone, and welcome back to the channel. This is episode 458 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we're going to be talking about the Blue Beetle box office and how it is looking to be the worst DCEU opening ever, with one exception, and it's quite the exception. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about some other stuff, and if you have been here from the very beginning, you will have seen that there is indeed going to be a giveaway tonight. This will be for the Blu-ray edition of the film Nefarious. If you've been watching my channel for a while in time, you know that I'm a huge fan of this film. Came out this year. Probably one of my favorites of this year. In fact, Sean Patrick Flannery does an amazing job. So I'm going to be giving away either one or two copies of the film. I've got two copies set to be given away to my Patreon Subscribestar members. Uh, that giveaway is currently still live over on the Discord server. And I'm going to give either one or two away on YouTube for those that enter in. And if you want to know how to enter in, follow the uh, directions of General Wingster. He did it correctly. You can only add one ticket. You can only get one ticket. You need 3,000 digital cookies. You get the digital cookies by watching these streams. You get those completely for free just by watching. But if you want to enter in, the only way you can enter in, you can only get one ticket. So you have to enter in with enter, exclamation point, a space, and then a one, just like what General Wingster did right here. And that is the only time I'm going to mention it because I want to make sure that the people who are here early get access to that. And uh, I'll be picking a winner towards the very end. So anyway, smash that like button, like the fire button, I think smash the rumble button as well. Let's go ahead and say hello to the people in the chat. By the way, thank you. Actually, before getting to the chat, thank you all very much for your thoughts and prayers. Uh, Baby Thor is feeling so much better. Uh, it was definitely uh, scary if you've ever had a, uh, a kid or if you've maybe had a niece or nephew or just, you know, young family members that you know uh, that ever have gotten sick, especially with stomach bugs. It can get pretty scary uh, just because they can't keep anything down and they're so upset and it was just very, very sad. And, you know, now that he's feeling a lot better, I can say he was definitely on the pathetic side. But it was one of those things where, honestly, I was just so happy just to be there Um and it's, again, one of those weird things where, obviously, I felt incredibly bad, and I was hoping and praying for him just to just to heal up as quickly as possible. But at the same time, there is just, again, you get to have that, um, there's just something about um, when, when you go, when, when you're snuggling with your child, it's just, I don't know, there's just something special about it. And, um, and it was like a moment like that where I realized, wow, yes, I am totally just uh, in love with my kid. And I think that's, that's, again, I'm just so incredibly blessed uh, in this life. And I was able to realize and recognize that at that moment. If you were watching the Salty Nerd podcast this morning, by the way, shout out to them for understanding why I had to just jump off the screen. Um, I had literally the the camera, for those that don't know, typically what I do as soon as uh, baby Thor goes to bed on most nights, I will have my phone down here and I'll actually have, we have a baby cam. And most of the time, right, 99% of the time, don't have to worry about anything. Usually it's just seeing him being a goofball. Um, but all of a sudden when I was on the stream, I noticed that he was sitting up and that he looked really upset. And then sure enough, when I, uh, I muted my microphone, listened and he was crying and I checked it out and sure enough, he indeed was, um, uh, you know, he had, he had thrown up in, in his bed, in his big boy bed. So I know he was upset for so many different reasons. So again, thank y'all everyone 
for your for your for your thoughts and prayers. As I said, he's doing so much better now. Literally, when I left him, he was snuggled up watching uh, Zootopia, one of <laughs> his new modern favorites. He hasn't seen this film nearly as much as he's seen things like Wall-E or or A Bug's Life. Uh, but uh, for those that know, we watch movies over the weekend. We don't let him watch anything during the week, but over the weekend, uh, if he asks for for us to watch something, we'll watch something together. And so. Anyway, he's he's snuggled up really comfortable right now um, up there up there with his mom. And luckily, my uh, my mother in law is also here this weekend. So don't worry. He is he is fine. I got the I got the OK and the blessing, <laughs> the blessing from the lady Freya saying, no, you go ahead. He's fine. Um, and obviously, I've got my phone just in case, you know, anything happens to change. But thank you all again for seriously understanding um, and being and being awesome about it. So let's go ahead and say hello. We got Kila Chow in the chat. What is going on, brother? Welcome back. Uh, and again, uh, hopefully that gave an update on how they are doing. We got General Wingster in the chat saying, I'll have a double Baconator, large fry and large vanilla frosty, please. Wait a second. This isn't Wendy's. I'm sorry, General Wingster. I'm very, very sorry. I was not able to, to live up to your expectations. Uh, no, this is not a Wendy's, uh, though you are definitely making me hungry for, for Wendy's at this point in time. Uh, so anyway. Uh, let's see. Orange reviews in the chat. What's going on, brother? He is the king mod over here. So respect his authority. Respect his rule. His word is law, and and I trust him. So if you if you make him mad, and I see the 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 band hammer get laid down, hey, I'm not gonna have to ask too many questions. We got Miss Minnesota Hockey fan. How about a hockey player? What is going on? Welcome back. Thank you for being here. We got King Kane Rumsky hanging out over on Rumble. What's going on, King Kane Rumsky? He had to say, I may watch some football tonight, so I may not be here the whole time. Be strong, King Kane Rumsky. I will try to find a way to survive. And so thank you. <laughs> thank you for letting me know uh, that 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 will be the reason why you are not nearly as as active over on Rumble as you typically are. Let's see. Burnt Toast Gr- Boat. Oh, this is this is a name. Burnt Toast Space Girlfriend. What is up? Welcome back. Yeah, it is quite a tragedy for this film. Absolutely. For those that were here earlier, you know exactly what what this I'm highlighting right now means, so you know what to do. Ben Dowdy, what is going on? Ben Dowdy, welcome back to the chat. Appreciate you being here. Let's see. Ambrose Chamberpot says, Hi, Odin. I just rewatched Shazam 2. No regrets. Really? So you tasted the rainbow a second time. That's a very bold move. It's a very, very bold move for you to make, Ambrose. (laughs) I hope the rainbow tasted Good? I don't know really exactly how to ask that question. The K-Man, what's going on, K-Man? Thanks for being here. Says, hello, one and all. Hope everyone is doing well. Hope Thor is feeling better. Yes, he is feeling a lot better. Um, Again, it's one of those things where when you know, like, just especially like my wife and I, we... We know Baby Thor's personality, right? He's always just very hyper and very, you know, overactive. And again, the way that a toddler should. And when he was going through, right, the, this the stomach bug and just um, and everything, he was just, you know, very just kind of like this general malaise and, um, you know, did not want you to, to even think about leaving. Like, even if you were trying to, like, you know, reposition, right? It was like, a no. Um, it was just very, very sad. Very, 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 very sad. Very pathetic. But again, totally understand because, hey, when when you don't feel good, you you want your mom and dad. And um, and so it was sad. But th- there came a point. I had just gotten back. Got We got Pedialyte. We got, uh, you know, the saltines, right? All the typical stuff that you can have when, when you're dealing with stomach bug. And around the time I got back from getting those things, 
um i was just you know i was like i had just left his room where where my wife was and when i when i walked right back to the room like had gone to kitchen grab something came back and all of a sudden i saw that he was on the ground and he was starting to like play with his things and that's like okay he's that that's that sign where i know that he's feeling better because he he's not just you know trying to you know curl up into you and instead he was you know trying to be his his typical self so yeah it was uh, very happy to see that. And ever since, it's just been... He was running around, actually, just even <laughs> a little while ago. So, again, he's he's doing a lot better. So, thank you all again for for your for your kind thoughts, words, and, and prayers, too. Uh, Great Wuda, what's going on? Thanks for tagging. Uh, Jenna Winkster, no, you cannot add in for 9,000. That, that's not a possibility. It will not be allowed. Rob D. Tassi, hello, Odin. Is the one exception of Lou Beetle's opening weekend Wonder Woman 84 or The Suicide Squad? You're going to find out, good sir. You're going to find out. In fact, let's go ahead and dive into that. I'll jump back into the chat in a second. But uh, let's go ahead and just get started with this. But first, I want to actually call out Tony. As you all know, I love Tony. I love Tony over at Deadline. He, he is my spirit animal. He is my best friend. Um, and that's why I get to call him Tony. You know, he, he allows me to, but I just want to call him out because notice his headline. This was from, uh, earlier today. So he updated this article because we got the Thursday numbers in and we also, of course, got the Friday numbers. And right now, Blue Beetle is on pace to get $25 million at this point. Now, what I'm calling Tony out for is the fact that he says Blue Beetle still eyes 25 million and i'm calling him out because he's trying to indicate or he's seemingly indicating that well this was what it was always expected to get 25 million dollars he then talks about how strays goes to the dogs with 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 8 million so again he seems to be trying to imply a positive spin at the very least with blue beetle and a negative spin or strays and again in either situation the numbers aren't great for either of these movies but the fact that he says still eyes 25 million and immediately when I saw that, I said, wait a minute, I don't remember exactly how much money was projected for this movie going into the weekend, but I'm pretty sure it was not 25 because I remember going to box office pro and saying box office pros number seems to have a lower projection for this movie than what the so-called industry experts are saying. And so I actually had to pull up my, my video from, from Friday when I did the you know Thursday, Friday, when I did my box office preview and, and lo and behold, this is what it used to say. All right, this is what it used to say. As it says right here, Blue Beetle is poised to halt Barbie's three-weekend streak with 28 to 32 million. Oh, Tony. So so what happened between the 28 to 32 million dollar opening and now the still eyeing 25? Now, again, I could hear someone saying, well, he means this because he wrote an article after the Thursday numbers came in and that's when it got readjusted to 25 and the Friday numbers seem to indicate that that's going to be the exact same. But again, Tony, not not that you are better than this. You know, I can't really say I'm too surprised by, by this turn of events, but still the fact that you are trying to spin this in a positive direction for this movie is just downright laughable, right? And, and as you can see, he can go on to say, um, it says, Blue Beetle and Strays aren't coming at the top of their projections with respect of lower weekend. And so again, not coming in at the top of their projections with respect of lower weekends, 25 million. So again, it almost seems as if he's trying to somehow indicate that the movie is, is not coming at the top, but it's not coming at the bottom either. But remember, going into the weekend, they said 28 to $32 million. So it's not even that it's coming in towards the lower end. It's coming in underneath the low end estimate going into the weekend, meaning this film is underperforming compared to these numbers. 
And remember, the thing that actually, you know, that actually tipped me off about this was my memory of the comment I made about Box Office Pro. I was like, hey, Box Office Pro is actually seemingly indicating a lower number. And sure enough, what did Box Office Pro say? 26 million. So you had Deadline, Tony at Deadline, and the so-called industry experts saying 28 to 32 million opening. Box Office Pro said 26. And right now, Tony is saying it's actually going to be 25. But again, it's because for Box Office Pro, their estimate had the low end of Blue Beetle being $22 million. So they were able to see, hey, this film may not actually get to this number that that the debt that that online and the other, you know, so-called experts are going to be bringing up. But again, I'm going to call it Tony here. All right. Still eyeing 25, he says. Still eyeing 25 when just a day before it was 28 to 32. Oh, Tony, 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 Tony. Come on now. Come on, man. Kagan Rumsky then went on to add over on Rumble saying, I'm pretty sure you were saying 30 million. Yeah, exactly. So even before then, right, even before then, $30 million was being talked about. That's actually a very good point, too. But I think this is even more egregious because, look, I understand you go into a weekend with projections and you really can't know anything until you get the actual data. I've always been of that mindset. You need actual data to work with before you can make any real and, and accurate projections. Right. We can see that more recently with films like with Barbie. Right. Even even, uh, you know, studios, even the studio Warner Brothers. Right. They were looking at that film thinking it was only make seventy five million dollars. And even if that's a low ball estimate because they're trying to make it seem better than it was, they ended up predicting only half of what the film actually made less than half, actually, of what the film actually made opening weekend, which, again, studios don't do that. They they lowball, but they don't lowball by that much. So. The fact, though, that the day before, right, they were saying this film was going to get 28 to 32 million, and now all of a sudden he's going to act like, oh, it's still eyeing 25. It's still eyeing 25. Again, it's just very, very laughable. Now, let's go ahead and talk, though, a little bit now that I've, you know, you know, exposed Tony once again. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the history of the DCEU box office and why this is going to be, if the $25 million number holds, is going to be the worst DCEU opening weekend with one exception. And to answer the question that was asked earlier, what was the one exception? Wonder Woman 1984. Remember, Wonder Woman 84 came out when? In 2020. This came out during the heart of the pandemic. This film also, if I'm not mistaken, had a day and date release in theaters and on HBO Max. So let's just say there are a lot of reasons, in addition to the film being terrible, but there are a lot of reasons that actually logistically make sense as to why the opening weekend for Wonder Woman 84 would not have been very impressive. Notice this number, though. Wonder Woman 84 in 2020 had an opening weekend of $19.7 million. 19.7. And the ticket sales, based off of the average ticket price of that time, would have been roughly 1.7 million tickets. Now, 25 million opening is the projection right now for Blue Beetle. 25 versus 19, okay, that that seems like a pretty big difference, right? right? There's millions of dollars difference between those two things. Here's the interesting part. Looking at Blue Beetle's ticket sales, looking at the projections for the weekend and the average ticket price this year, look at the difference between these two. Blue Beetle, based off of the fact that right now average ticket price is roughly around $13 a ticket, 1.9 million tickets, whereas Wonder Woman's was 1.7 million. So you have millions and millions of dollars difference between the two opening weekends, despite the fact that, again, Wonder Woman 84 had a lot of other things going against it, especially when it comes to box office receipts. 
but then you only have about a 200,000 difference in total ticket sales. And I think one could definitely argue that when it comes to Blue Beetle, that that average ticket price might actually technically be higher because most of those tickets are probably being sold in IMAX and in premium format screens. And that means that average ticket price is going to go up quite a bit. But again, we'll, we'll, we'll try and be fair. and We'll try and do apples, apples comparisons because we could argue that for actually a lot of these other films, right? Most of these big budget movies from these major studios, especially superhero movies, guess what? They're going to have their opening weekend, especially a higher average ticket price because most of those tickets are indeed going to be sold in IMAX or going to be sold in 3D or going to be sold in any of those of those premium formats. But again, this is downright abysmal. This is downright abysmal. And remember, this is the DCEU. There are other films that have been released. Some people might be saying, you know, why isn't Joker on the list? Why isn't the Batman? Remember, those are not films that are taking place in the DCEU. Those are taking in the, what, the worlds of DC, right? They're basically in the same ballpark as the Nolan Batman films. Yes, they're DC properties, but they're not a part of this overall expanded universe. And since the universe is already so confused right now, (laughs) I mean... Ugh, it, it just gets worse and worse. Let's just say James Gunn is not helping his franchise at all. And if this is supposed to be, remember, James Gunn has said it himself, this is supposed to be the first film in the new DCEU, right? Even though he had nothing to do with it, he's claiming this, right? He is claiming this as the beginning of this new DCEU. This is the worst opening that you could ever possibly expect for a brand new franchise or for a reboot of a franchise, etc., Right? So for him to put any type of weight to this opening and any type of, I guess, faith or trust in this opening, let's just say it was clearly put in the wrong place. Again, a $25 million projected opening weekend. It could come in less. It could come in more. But again, going back to what Tony said, he says it's still eyeing $25 million, even though just the day before he said $28 to $32 million. And again, this is the kind of thing that we can kind of expect there. But $25 million means... With the average ticket price today, 1.9 million tickets. So also, remember, this means it's only barely beating Wonder Woman 84, which was during COVID with a day-and-date release model. (laughs) So that's abysmal. And then if you even compare it to other films, it even lost to Birds of Prey. I think all of us are able to recognize how bad Birds of Prey was, but it it actually lost to Birds of Prey. Not only Birds of Prey's opening weekend of $38 million, but also the average ticket sales being around 3.5 million tickets. Oh boy. The next film you really get to that that's even quote-unquote close are films like The Suicide Squad, which would have had 2.5 million tickets, Shazam 2, which remember, only a $5 million difference right now, but that film, 2.3 million tickets. (laughs) So, yeah. We are in dire, dire straits right now, essentially, for Blue Beetle and for the DCEU overall. It's really, really bad. It's really, really bad. And having seen Blue Beetle, I can say, you know what? It, it's it's well-deserved. I know that there are some people coming out, you know, trying to defend the movie, saying, well, there's some good family values. And look, I say that in my review. I think, hey, you know what? That's the one positive thing you can point to. The problem, though is if you go into the writing and how those characters are written and how the family is written, it is awful. It it, it is abysmal. I mean, the character of Jaime is all about justice. It's all about, hey, we we don't, I don't want to kill. I don't want to, I don't really want to hurt people. And yet he is surrounded by sociopathic murderers who kill people, who go on killing rampages. So it's like, wait, when, where in the world did his, 
I don't want to kill people come from if it's not from his family. And then also it's, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever within the grand scheme of the actual movie. Because when you have him saying, I'm not going to kill you, but then you have his grandma mowing people down. I'm, I mean, I'm sorry that that's a, that's a bit of a problem. Narratively speaking, <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, let's go back into the chat. King Kane Rumshki says, is it just me or does Blue Beetle look like a blue yellow jacket bad guy from the first Ant-Man? I mean, let's just be frank. The costuming for Blue Beetle, and I know that the original Blue Beetle, you can date back, you know, many, many decades. Like, again, several, several decades. But when you release a live action version of that of that character you're only going to get comparisons to everything else i mean it was seemingly based off the design of the film and the suit in the film it was a rip off of star kid it, it was a rip off of iron man it was a rip off of uh of a couple other like characters where the, where are the, there are those you know suited characters as well it just didn't look good it did not look good yeah i mean again couldn't couldn't happen to a nicer franchise. Couldn't happen to a nicer director. I think that he's now officially just been shut up about this. And yeah, bro, there's no way that Warner Brothers could possibly justify to anybody having this thing be a trilogy. I think that was his original intent was he wanted the Blue Beetle film to kind of be the kickoff of a trilogy. Based on these numbers, I don't see that how that happens. And remember, going to the weekend, you have people like Tony trying to argue, well, you know what? The Hispanic crowd, they're going to show up in droves to this. And don't forget, they're a walk-up crowd. And I, I kind of pointed this out in my breakdown that, wait, isn't that kind of like a little, at least according to your definition of the word, a little racist? Because you're trying to argue that they walk up to the theater because they pay in cash? Why would they be paying in cash? You see where I'm going with that, Tony? You see where I'm? You see what I'm laying down there, Tony? Again, that was Tony's words, and surely we're not seeing that, right? Right now, we are not seeing really much of anything with, with this movie. And I do not suspect it to be any better in, in, any, other, in any other place. So, of course, we'll, we'll wait for the data to come in. We'll wait for the actual full numbers, especially the worldwide numbers. You know, you know, I'll, you know far be it for me to be a person, you know, pronouncing a film dead before the numbers come out. Because, as you, as you know, I, I always like when the numbers come out. I, I always, you know, have a lot of confidence in opening. And then also, especially second weekend drop-off numbers. But it's not looking good. That, that's, I think, what the main takeaway from this opening weekend domestic is. It is not looking good. It's coming well underneath what the projections were. Even within just a day of, of, of the latest projections. And it's, it's not good. It's not good. All right, we got Forever Sci-Fi in the chat. Hail to you, Forever Sci-Fi. Thank you very much for being here. John Winkster says, you love your kid? How dare you do such a thing? I know, right? <laughs> How dare I? In, in, in the year 2023, you can't. That, that, you can't do that anymore. How, how dare you? How dare I? <laughs> don't, don't you know from the movies, I gotta be, I gotta be a bad parent. That's, what I, that's the only thing I ever learn from, from the movies these days. <laughs> Uh, Orange Review says Zootopia is fun I enjoyed that one yeah yeah again it was actually a lot of fun interestingly enough uh, and this is something I always forget but it's actually not even a Pixar film it is a Walt Disney animation film and what I love about it and the reason why I enjoy it is because it's a movie that could very easily have kind of gone down this identity politics route and it kind of does Right. It's a it's a world where there are all these animals living in harmony together. You've got the predators and you got the prey. And and there are some elements where you're like, you know, especially in the beginning saying, oh, bunny, you could never do this. Right. You could never be a cop. You could never do this or that. 
but what I like about it is that when she gets into the city, right, when when this female bunny gets into the city, what happens? All of a sudden, she gets exposed actually for being <laughs> just as quote unquote small minded as everybody else. And so that's how you get away with it, right? You have people who are flawed. You have people that are are not just going to be great at everything, you know, no matter what. And it ends up, I think, being a pretty, yeah, I think it ends up being a pretty, a pretty cool thing. So I think it works out quite well, quite well. All right, back into the chat. Let us see. Uh, Orange, Orange Hat says, it's a Ben Axe maniacal laugh. Ah, I'm sorry. Uh, Grumkull Tharaka, what's going on, Grumkull? Thank you very much for that super sticker. It's the little dude uh, with, what is that? It, again, I, is it supposed to be coffee? Because it's red, so it kind of looks like wine. <laughs> it looks like a coffee cup of wine. <laughs> JS Benya tagged to say, Ahoy, how's your son feeling? A lot better. As I, as I said at the very beginning, he's feeling a ton better. Thank you again for, for checking. See, Rob D says, I just want one discussion stream of you, John Campia, Grace Randolph, Scott Mendelson, and Tony from Deadline. I don't think I could I could handle it. <laughs> that that would be a little a little too much a little too much ego for 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 my taste. <laughs> I just couldn't. I couldn't handle it. I, I would not be I, I the reason why I think is because I would not be able to um to sit back and and listen for any length of time without trying to like jump in basically <laughs> be like, okay, hold on. Let me break this down for just a few seconds. Jay tripped poo. Uh, Odin has cloned himself. No, I have not cloned myself. I have not cloned myself. Scott McKenzie. What is going on, brother? Welcome back to the chat. Appreciate you being here. Chicken little syndrome. Always appreciate that name. Thank you for being here. All right, we got Orange Hat Reviews, who's been a member for 37 months. Thank you for uh, cashing in on your members chat. Always appreciate people doing that, saying, Blue Beetle, <laughs> I'd prefer the orange millipede. That strikes terror in the narcissistic and fills the just with humility. Ooh, the orange millipede, that sounds terrifying. And no, it's because millipedes are kind of terrifying. Centipedes and millipedes, I think it's the millipedes that are Kind of, they're not the, I, I know there's a difference between the two, right? There's the roly-poly bugs and then there's like the millipedes, but it's like, I feel like they have a similar shell or a similar looking shell where it's like kind of smooth and shiny. Whereas it's the centipede, I think, where it's like, those things look like death. <laughs> those things look like something evil. They, they, uh, they strike fear into the hearts of, of everyone, including me. <laughs> and, uh, and no, no, thank you. Which is kind of funny because of you think, oh, you know, millipedes, centipede, millipedes have a ton more legs than centipedes do, but centipedes are a lot creepier, if my memory serves me. It's been a while. I, I don't try to expose myself to them. Uh, they are very scary. I try to stay away from them. Let's see, Drave Tripped Poo at 719 said, Gun recently clarified that the character is in the DCU, but the movie isn't canon. Oh, yeah, because, you know, that makes sense. I'm sorry, dude. Like, James Gunn is just such a hack. Like, again, he's done one great film. I know there might be some uh, smaller budget films that he did. Like, again, I know people talk a lot about the film Super, for instance, being good. But as far as a film that he had, like, full creative control, director control, Guardians 1 is the only great film, in my opinion, that he's ever done. Like, where it was just completely, completely him. On the big grand stage, that's the only film he has. He doesn't really have anything else. Guardians 2 and 3 were fine, but they weren't really rewatchable. 
They, they weren't as great as one. Again, even if you like those two movies, you would still have to admit they don't hold a candle to the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And then he did The Suicide Squad, and that movie was trash. So, see General Wingster in the live chat saying, I'd argue Slither. I haven't seen that one, so I can't speak to it. Um, but even there, I would say, again, with the with the quantifying and with quantifying it as big films that he's done, I think that we could at least say, yeah, in the realm of big films... And I mention that because if you're going to be running the DCEU, you kind of be you kind of have to be able to be a great big time player all the time, or at least most of the time. But when you only have one big film to your name that actually is rewatchable and is is phenomenal, I don't know. I don't know. So let's see. Rob D says, "I want to see the positive Blue Beetle spin press. <laughs> Blue Beetle sold over one million large." Uh, popcorn buckets. I mean, they kind of already are. I mean, at least Tony in his first line says these definitely aren't the numbers that they would have hoped. But again, he clearly takes a a dig at strays, but then overplays what what Blue Beetle did. You know, saying it's still projected to do this when in fact it's it's so much lower than what the initial projections actually were. You know, so uh, yeah. Let's see. Roxader says I think Blue Beetle will be a big hit. I bet you do. I bet you do. You must be seeing numbers that just don't exist. You must have seen a different movie, too. Because <laughs> the movie I saw is, uh, yeah, not good. I think it was great last night at Friday Night Tights when just listening. You know, whenever you listen to people like Mahler, Mahler is always just so phenomenal at, at breaking things down, breaking things apart. Disparu was great, too. And I think both of them really hit the nail on the head with just all of just the narrative issues that exist within the movie. And I, I remember watching the film and thinking to myself, this movie just almost doesn't feel real. It's almost as if I'm, I'm, I'm looking back at myself watching the film saying, is this really something that the studio decided to greenlight and decided that they actively wanted to make? It's not the worst film that I've ever seen, but at the same time, it's like, where in the world have they gone? Like, where in the world have their heads been stuck the last several years? Because this, this is just nonsense. At this point, you know, it's just, it's crazy. Oh, man, oh, man. Let's see, Kimberly G, what's going on, Kimberly G? Welcome back. Appreciate you being here as always. Let's see, we got Zane Waters. What's going on, Zade? Zane says, centipedes are indeed the predatory ones with the spiny legs. Millipedes look like the big roly polies. Yes, that's what I thought. (laughs) Thank you for confirming that, Zane. And I saw I saw your uh, your DM over on uh, over on Discord, so I will definitely give you those options um, when I finish uh, the stream. I'll have to double check just to make sure that every still everything's still going well with Baby Thor. Again, I haven't got any notifications, so again, as I said, the the lady Freya and and her mom are upstairs with him right now, and he was really really good uh, for a while before I came down. So, uh, but oh man, centipedes are just terrifying forever sci-fi as a member says so regular centipedes are nothing compared to house centipedes those things move fast okay yeah if it's a terrifying centipede and it also happens to move at a fast clip no thank you no no thank you at all general wingster again had mentioned slither as a film zane also said i actually thought guardians of the galaxy 2 is more rewatchable i don't know what you're watching brother again i think there's a lot of fun stuff in two but one is just a i think just a better compact film I think there's just so many great beats that film. The soundtrack is also phenomenal. I mean, you think about the impact that soundtrack had, 
there's no way sound you could say the soundtrack for two had as big of an impact, right? There's just so many things about the first one from both the film and the soundtrack that it's such a cultural impact. I don't think two or three get even close. Uh, Bruce, what's going on, brother? Says, sorry, I'm late. I was watching the 1937 Snow White. It is just as I remember it. Ah, so, so you would say that it is very white. You're such, you're such an ist. General, (laughs) General Winkster says, look, Odin, his Scooby-Doo script was a masterpiece. Was it? I almost forgot that he did the live action Scooby-Doo or he was at least involved in it. Kigan Rumsky over on Rumble actually was wanting to add to that too. Says, uh, James Gunn did Scooby-Doo. Hello. Exactly. Exactly. It's, again, his filmography is definitely a, a huge mixed bag, but I definitely think that most of his projects are either bad or or just mediocre. Uh, there really just aren't a whole lot of, of home runs in his filmography. I think we could at the very least say there's not nearly as many home runs as you would need to justify being in charge of an entire cinematic universe. I mean, and especially now where he's been on the record and his entire, he has just been exposed. What did he say about the flash? This is the best thing ever, essentially, right? He was obviously playing it up and I understand he wants to make sure the film does, does well. He doesn't want to tear it down, but you don't have to say it's the best movie ever, the DCEU or anything like that, right? You don't have to go that far with it. And and then also to come out and, and talk positively with Blue Beetle and then, cause that confusion over where does Blue Beetle actually stand. And again, whether he clarified it or not, the fact is, is that things have never been more confusing. Things were always confusing in the DCEU. The least confusing it ever was, was back in 2013 when it was Man of Steel. And that's all you had, right? That, that's really all you had. There, there was all the talk about all the other films that were coming down the pipe and, and all the plans that they had. But that was really the least confusing. And then as soon as you jump into BVS onward, Things just go to hell in a handbasket and and things get incredibly confusing very, very quickly. And it, it just becomes such a hot, hot mess. And it's just never stopped being a hot mess. What James Gunn and what Warner Brothers should have done with hiring James Gunn or with hiring someone else, and arguably sh- they should be hiring someone else at this point. Obviously, contracts probably will make that you know hard, if not impossible, and not that even they would want to move away from him. Because, again, they're looking at him saying, oh, well, he did the Guardians movies and the Guardians films made money. It's like, okay, I, I see that as somewhat of a point. But, again, you have to think about cultural impact. you got to think about uh, legacy overall. And having just one great movie and two fine box office performing movies to your name is just not really, I think, a record of, of being able to be guaranteed any type of, of success. And I think that his continued push for these different ideas and his continuing confusing of the already confusing world of DC is just making things even worse, right? Because now it's, oh, Blue Beetle as a movie is not necessarily a part of our, you know, is not necessarily a part of our universe, but the character is canon. So is that him saying that the character Blue Beetle is canon? Well, that that's really a nothing burger because, well, of course, it's a DC character. So arguably every single character that's ever existed is going to be a part of the canon, right? Um, you can't say the movie is not a part of the canon, but the character is. That, that, that's just silly, right? Again, at that point, you're trying to basically have your cake and eat it too, right? He's saying, oh, well, we're going to keep Zolo, right? We're gonna, is that, I think that's how you pronounce the name, right? We're going to keep the, the young actor that plays Jaime, and he's going to still be there, but the movie that he was in, uh, we can change that. 
And to be honest, that would not be too surprising <laughs> that James Gunn would be doing that because remember, this is the same guy that decided to do the Suicide Squad after there had already been a Suicide Squad. That's not confusing. And then there was the, oh, these characters still exist. These characters don't exist anymore or are going to be changed or will be changed. It's a hot, hot mess. And not in the good way. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. All right. Back into the chat. Let's see. Jacobite Wiseman said, did the Spanish really have sub... Did the, did the Spanish really have sub-Saharan slaves? Uh... I have no idea. I was that even something that was mentioned in the movie because I may have missed that. Is that relevant to the Blue Beetle discussion? Again, I don't remember that part of the film. And to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if if they tried to push that. But I mean, if you think about it, most people, most nations at some point in their history have had some association. So wouldn't wouldn't surprise me, but I'm, I'm missing the context of that comment, basically. I need I need further context on what that is. Let's see. Bruce says, Guardians of the Galaxy number one is the most rewatchable. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. No doubt about it. Orange Review says, Guardians of the Galaxy had good music and three great scenes. Rocket's fun in the woods, the breakout with Rocket and Yondu, and Yondu's death and Ravager funeral. Everything else in the movie was weak. Um, were you talking about Guardian? So... Because we're talking there about the the Ravager funeral, was that you were talking about Guardians two there, or was that the first Guardians of the Galaxy? Because I don't remember there being a Ravager funeral in Guardians of the Galaxy. Now I'm very confused. I need further context on that one. <laughs> Goodness, uh, sorry if my brain is not working tonight. Again, I've just been okay. Good, good. I was like, am I going crazy? Uh, thank you. All right, Orange Hat confirms Guardians two exactly right. So yeah. Um, because now I'm remembering, now that I am able to place that correctly. Yeah, there again, there were some great moments in Guardians 2. There were absolutely some great moments in there. And the music was good. But I remember even watching the film in theaters and saying like, okay, yeah, I like this music, but I mean, you think about the beginning song to the first Guardians. Like, when the, fa the fact that you still, and this is again, I think this kind of goes to the point. And again, obviously, if you enjoy something more than something else, I can't take that away. So, Zane, if you like the second one more, um, hey, mad, mad respect to you, brother. But I think that trying to look at it as objectively as possible, I think there's a reason why the songs and the soundtrack from the first film are the songs that you continue to kind of hear or have throwbacks to. If I'm not mistaken, I've only seen the third film one time and I really have no desire to see it again. But I remember there being callbacks and throwbacks, but it was not to music from the second movie. It was from music from the first movie, if I'm not mistaken. So... That, I think, is also kind of, again, them recognizing, oh, yeah, our first movie is absolutely our most recognizable. It, it is our most iconic. It, it is our most powerful. Like, the most people, most people in general think this movie as being the peak of the franchise. Uh, and again, obviously, everyone's going to have different opinions. I think the greatest example of kind of showing where I stand on that in a different franchise would be looking at Fast and Furious, right? For me, where where do I hold the what is my favorite not the best but what is my favorite of the fast and furious movies it's fast three it's tokyo drift and there's a ton of people who are fans of the franchise that either hate that movie or don't care for it or don't love it, like it nearly as much i love that movie i think it's fun i think it's silly stupid fun <laughs> in just all the right ways um so 
again, that's where I think where it's it's that clear example of it's not the best one. I think arguably you could say Fast Five is the best made of of those movies, um, unless you're someone that wants to go just straight up with the original. And again, I understand the original's argument, but yeah. Hopefully that makes sense. Hopefully that makes sense. Uh, let's see, Rob D, time to say, do you think the Marvels will open about the same as Blue Beetle? I So here's the thing, right? When you think about the Marvels and when you think about just the MCU in general, I kind of just have to go, I have to go based off of what we are seeing in, in the numbers. And so let me go ahead and see if I can pull up real quick some data. And uh, the film I'm going to, of course, pull up is, is Ant-Man. By the way, I still need to watch the... Uh, the Mahler video breaking down Ant-Man quantum mania, 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 because it just sounds like it's going to be phenomenal to look at. But let me try and see if I can pull this up real, real quick. All right, let's go ahead and share this. That way everyone can see kind of what I'm talking about here. So again, the question was asked about where I think the Marvels is going to open up. So if you notice here, right, we have the opening domestic weekend, right? The opening domestic weekend for these films. So Guardians 3, 118 million. Ant-Man and the Wasp, quantum mania. Remember, a box office flop, $100 million. Uh, 181 for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Terrible film. Thor Love and Thunder, terrible film. 144, 187, Doctor Strange. The the lowest movies we have are from the pandemic era, right? Uh, the pandemic era uh, box office, we have 75 million for Shang-Chi. Uh, Shang we have 71 million for Eternals, domestic. Black Widow, we have 80 million. So essentially, and let me see if I can go back in time. And again, these are unadjusted numbers, of course. Because arguably you could say that Incredible Hulk had the lowest opening unadjusted of any MCU film with $55 million. So adjusted, that ends up being probably closer to $70, $80 million as that was back in 2008. So the main point is you actually have kind of a bottom, right? You have a floor for the MCU. And right now it seems that the floor in all likelihood, especially when you adjust those early films for inflation and you look at the fact that Again, the lowest since the pandemic would have been around 70 million. There's a floor of around 70 to 80 million dollars, right? I think that that is something that we could look at as far as the data. And you know, I'm a, I'm a data guy. I'm a data-driven guy. And even though I would love to see the film, I would love to see the Marvels open up to 30 million dollars and for it to be a, a gigantic catastrophe, we have to be realistic, right? I can't let my emotions about the film and my dislike of Brie Larson and everyone else attached to that project influenced the data in front of us. And so data alone indicates, and we all know, right? Data is only as accurate until it proves not to be otherwise, right? This is kind of where uh, the Super Mario Brother movie fell, right? The data suggested the film would not make a billion dollars, but it obviously proved to be wrong and the data was wrong. Uh, the data that I was focusing on was incorrect and it ended up setting itself a new standard, right? You have a standard that is set, you have a standard that you follow, but then there's always going to be those films that can break the standard, right? That can go uh, past the standard, as it were, right? And so let's just go ahead to the first Captain Marvel film. Now, first Captain Marvel, there are some key factors when it comes to this movie, right? The movie made a billion dollars, the first one. But remember, remember, one, this movie came out just a month, a little over a month, before Endgame the biggest movie one could argue of, of all time, as far as, um, you know, not necessarily the biggest box office of all time, but just, I, I will say of the modern era. I, let me correct that. It, the biggest movie of the modern era, right? Years and years and years of buildup, years and years of anticipation, countless films leading up to the moment. And unfortunately the film sucked, right? As you all know, for me, 
for me, the MCU ends with Infinity War, right? That that's really where I um, I cut things off as far as my last like really a movie from the MCU that I thoroughly enjoyed because immediately after that you had Ant Man the Wasp, and I think some people try to say, well, your argument for Captain Marvel doesn't seem to make sense because what? Why didn't Ant Man the Wasp then get that kind of a bump? Well, remember. I just said, right? Captain Marvel was only a less than a month away from the biggest movie of the modern era, right? Ant Man and the Wasp came out right after Infinity War. So you already had a lot of people hyped up on Infinity War, spending a lot of money on that. And then you get a random movie in Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Sorry, not, not Quantumania. Ant Man and the Wasp, right? The sequel to Ant Man. The first Ant Man film did not make a lot of money. It, it was not a huge money maker, right? It made its money back and it made profit. It was not a huge money maker, though. It was a film that most people said, oh, yeah, it was fine. It was fun. There wasn't a lot of passion behind it. So, one, it's a sequel to that film. Two, it's not anywhere really close to Avengers Endgame. It does not have that proximity effect. And three, the most important thing, how were these films marketed? Ant-Man and the Wasp was marketed how? As a sequel to Ant-Man. The primary way that that, that Ant-Man 2... The primary way that Ant-Man and the Wasp was marketed was a sequel to Ant-Man. So that means you're not going to really excite a whole lot of people. And that's why that movie only opened up to $75 million, right? So that's better than the $57 million that from the first Ant-Man. But as a sequel and as a marketed film, specifically marketed as a sequel to that first movie, that actually makes a lot of sense. Getting 75 versus 57, right? Unadjusted. How was Captain Marvel promoted. How was Captain Marvel marketed? It was marketed as this is the last film before Endgame that's going to have any relevance or importance. This is setting up a character that's going to be important to not only Endgame, but the future of the MCU. So again, you have that proximity effect, but then you also have that marketing change. So I would actually argue, and this would require it to be a different movie for the record, but had the character of Ant-Man been in the film prior to Endgame and had they put the same type of marketing towards it, guess what? And again, obviously the film would have to have also reflected that. You would have seen that film do crazy numbers. But they didn't, right? They they clearly gave a layup to Captain Marvel to be able to, to do that, right? It was going off of the high of the MCU. It was that preemptive movie. It was, again taking up that space and that proximity effect helped it. And also the marketing, the fact they marketed the way that they did the film ended up being trash, but Hey, people were so excited about Endgame, They quickly forgot about it again. It was less than a month away. So even if they did not like Captain Marvel all that much, they got Endgame, and a lot of people enjoyed it, especially in, on initial reactions. A lot of people came out enjoying it over time. I think a lot of people have wised up to the fact that it's not a good movie, but again, that's kind of where it was at the time. But back to the original question. I think that this 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 background is very, very important, though, right? Because of that, what do I think the Marvels is going to make? I don't think it's going to get anywhere close to the $153 million that was made by the first movie in its opening domestic. I would not be surprised to see the film get somewhere between $80 and $100 million, If I'm going to be honest, based off of the data that we have right now, the fact that if we look just to the last couple of years, every single MCU film since 2022... You know, since since last year has opened to over $100 million, including Ant-Man and the Wasp 3. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Mania, Mania, right? Even that film got 106. 
So I ultimately think that 80 to 100 million makes sense. Now, what would I think the floor would be? What do I think the smallest amount that could be made, like practically? 70. So basically somewhere between 70 and 110. I think 110 probably being the max. Somewhere between 70 and 110 million dollars domestic opening weekend based just on the historical num- numbers and historical data that we have in front of us. And again, the most likely outcome I think within 20 million would be 80 to 100. Um, but obviously, if we go start, once we start to get more data in front of us, we'll have a much better idea, and we'll be able to start actually making some some you know some better kinds of projections. Right now, Box Office Pro just has uh, numbers going into uh, into September, so we're still quite a ways away from that. The most recent numbers that we got is another again another Disney 20th Century Studios film. In fact, A Haunting in Venice, um, 11 to 16 million opening. Oof. Warner Brothers has at least one film that has something to look forward to. So here, here are some early numbers right now for for the next several films. So Equalizer 3, 25, 32 million. We'll do a full breakdown on this the, the closer that we get to that. Uh, Greek Wedding, I, I understand the first film was big. Second film did not get nearly as much. I'm amazed that they actually justified a third. It must have made enough in the second film to, to justify that. And then The Nun, though, look at that, 30 to 45 million. And you know these movies don't cost a whole lot of money. So at least Warner Brothers has at least one film other than Barbie coming up to <laughs> to have to look forward to making some money for them. But but anyway, so just just to give you all an idea, those are the some of the early numbers there. But once we do get more data, we will definitely be breaking those things down. So anyway, uh, let's see. We've got 89 people watching. Well, thank you all for watching, y'all. Appreciate that, especially since... I was not sure if I was going to be able to go live tonight. So, again, I, I definitely appreciate y'all a lot. All right. Let us see. Let's go back into the chat. Make sure that no one else. Again, shout out to anyone watching on Odyssey or Rumble. Even if you're not, even not saying anything, appreciate y'all still watching nonetheless. Let's see. Jake Skyrocka says, hey, Odin chat. What's going on, Jake? Welcome back. Sherry Allen, what's going on, Sherry? The answer to the Spanish sub-Sahara slaves were made up of the 10% of Western Andalusia. Again, I'm still missing the context. Jacob Weisman, is Blue Beetle pro, uh, pro-disordered? pro uh, What? Jacob, what are you saying, man? Uh, Zane says, objectively better can be argued. I just found Guardians of the Galaxy 2 more rewatchable. Regardless, as I've said before, I love many shows that are objectively bad. Batwoman Season 1 and Baywatch Nights. Yeah, exactly, Zane. And that's why that's why me and you can have conversations. That's why me and you get along, dude. Because we recognize that there is the objective and the subjective. And as I said, I think the argument, I think the, the example I gave of Fast and Furious is a great example of how, you know, even I can recognize, like, I enjoy even in franchise movies, uh, you know, fi- you know, films that are definitely not uh, the best, but are still ones that I enjoy. Uh, Sherry Allen, 10% of the population of Western Andalusia. And again, I'm still trying to, what is the context of that? What are we talking about, though? Like, wh- what is that a reference to? How is that relevant to any co- any conversation that we were having? That's what I want to know <laughs> before I go anywhere else. Uh, Orange Review says, Fast Five truly is my favorite. Danza Kaduro for the Payday song was great. It's been a long time since I've seen Fast Five. It's been a long time. I, I, I might need to rewatch those. I just need to remind myself, okay, once you hit six, just stop. See, Orange Hat says, Odin is like Sherlock. Data, data, data. I cannot make bricks without clay. Yeah, I try. 
obviously I, I miss things. I am a human. I am imperfect. Um, but yeah, I always, I always try. You always see me try my very best. He goes on to say, not to mention Disney did everything to protect Captain Marvel. That's another great point, too. Yes, they did. Remember, that was the other huge factor, right? Rotten Tomatoes, uh, one of the films that that just broke Rotten Tomatoes was Captain Marvel. They, they've, they changed their entire system. Like, a couple times, they changed it for, I think they were both Disney films, right? I forget exactly the changes that were made, but I'm pretty sure Captain Marvel was a big one. Was that the one that I had the 24-hour uh, stream on my second channel running? To show you how they were deleting reviews in real time. I forget if that was for Captain Marvel. I don't think I had done that yet for Last Jedi. Because Last Jedi... Um, yeah, yeah, it wasn't for Last Jedi. Because I didn't start really doing my channel. My channel really didn't start until after The Last Jedi. And I was I started my channel covering the box office for Solo. That was like the first time I was covering box office for, for a major film. That's actually where I developed the chart and developed the the equations that would eventually become the chart that I use today. Let's see. Jeremy Zakowski. I think everyone is burnt out on superhero movies. I know I am. That's only a part of it though, man. You know, and I, I always hear that and I understand it because I think that there is some truth to it. Um, I know that I was mentioning this uh, when I went to go see it on Thursday, when I went to go see blue beetle, my wife asked me as I was leaving, Hey, what are you going to see? And I'm like uh, blue beetle. It's a new DC film. And she's like, Oh, Another generic superhero film that we all asked for. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, exactly, honey. You got it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I definitely think that there is some truth to it. But I do think that if they were releasing good ones, really good ones, consistently, I don't think it would be as big of an issue. I think it's more of there's a fatigue because we're just getting more and more of either generic or just downright bad superhero movies. Let's see. Sherry tagged to say the Spanish sub-Saharan slaves were a common sight in 1570 Liberia. Uh, okay. So Sherry, I know, I know you're trying to, I, Sherry, I know you're trying to help, but I still don't know why we're talking about that. What is that relevant to? I think you're just responding because I had asked, but someone or originally brought that up and I have no idea why. <laughs> and that's what I need the context for. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Let's see. Magnus Magnuson, what's going on? Welcome back. Uh, General Wingster. But Captain Marvel had a woman, Odin. The first woman ever. Jennifer Lawrence wasn't in that movie. General Wingster, how dare you? How dare you offend J-Law like that? What you just said is an abomination. That is heresy. How dare you say that? King Ken Rumsky over on Rumble, though. Speaking of silly, stupid fun, have you seen The Meg 2 yet? I have not. I just have no real desire to watch it. Doesn't mean that I won't ever, ever watch it, but uh, I just don't really have the desire. Just don't have the desire. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right. Let's see. Uh, it was answered the question that someone asked earlier. Yeah, yeah. So, Sherry. Yeah, that's not on you, Sherry. As I said, someone in the chat asked about it. And tagged me. And I am still trying to figure out why it was ever asked. Like, what does it have to do with any of the films or the box office that we've been talking about? That That's that's where I'm coming from. So it's something that you did, Sherry. It's more of a, why are we even taught? Why are you at the point where you're having to look this up for me? Because I honestly don't know what it is. But I'm also not sure what exactly the context of what it is either. <laughs> Heartbreak Rage tags say, do or do not. Do or do not. There is no try. Thanks for the stream tonight. All things considered. Well, thank you, Heartbreak Ridge. Appreciate that. 
Uh, Sherry says, I'm good, but my eyesight is slowly going. Okay, well, uh, Sherry, I'm so I'm happy that you're doing well, and I'm sorry, though, to hear about the, the eyesight. I know that you've been going through some difficulties, so I'll try to keep you and continue to keep you in, in my prayers. General Wingster, oh boy, here, here, here comes the pet troll. As Odin's wife, I did say that. I made a funny, oh, General Wingster, if you were my wife, things would be a very, very weird, let's just say, this would be a very weird, weird place. Even weirder than it already is. Orange Shot Reviews, I haven't been to the theater since Avatar 2. That's why I retooled my channel to older movies like Mr. Holland's Opus, a movie every teacher should watch. Yes, 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 yes. I know, I know Orange Chat. I still haven't watched it. Um, and uh, and yeah, I always appreciate uh, what you do though, man. So that's, that's awesome that you've been able to have that refocus and that shift in focus. But I do think that there are there are definitely some some good movies that are coming out, and there there are, there are good films that have come out. But I'm I'm kind of in a similar boat because, you know, for instance, I had a ticket to go see the Meg too, and then last minute I was like, I'm not 100 percent right now. I mean, again, I, I wasn't feeling well. I, I wasn't, you know, sick sick, uh, you know, when when the Meg two came out. But I was enough to where I was like, yeah, it's not worth going to see. And that's kind of where I am now, where it's if there's even a somewhat good excuse to not have to go see a movie, I, I might actually just end up using it, you know, and I think it's kind of a definitely a commentary on modern filmmaking, the movies that we are getting. And that's what makes it even worse with the whole strike, right? Because if already with the current wave of movies that we have coming out, if there's already few and far between as far as actual, you know, tangible sensible options for for good things for good movies what is going to happen when we get to this giant hole in content that likely is going to happen because of all of the delays and because of the the writer strike especially i know that gary had mentioned this how you know the people he's talked with it seems to be indications that the writer strike will probably end sometime in what september maybe makes again that would make sense Whenever we looked at these strikes and whenever the, the strikes were being talked about, I remember saying, you know, actor strike is not going to last nearly as long because that is something that is going to have a much more direct impact on current projects. You know, writer strike, yeah, you could say that there's definitely, but if you're at a certain point in your movie, the writer strike is not going to impact, right? If you're in that post production process and things are pretty much, you know, close, close to getting done, ready to go, it's not going to, but it will impact your, films that are on a certain time slot to get released at a certain time. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll impact your time frame basically. And, and, and the timeline of that film and of the release schedule, but there's going to be a moment, there's going to be a time where we're going to kind of just practically have to have movies that are just not going to be able to release over a, you know, several months span. And what do you see happen? Obviously the, the, the go-to responses would be, well, maybe you have them release older films in theaters. Maybe you have some re-releases, you know, and all that stuff would, would definitely make sense to a certain extent. Maybe they rush things. It's not like they haven't done that already, right? What if they decide, hey, we're just going to rush several films that were expected to be coming out late into 2023, or sorry, sorry 2024, and we're going to try and move them up instead. And, and once things get back on track, we're just going to, you know, pick things up. But I, again, Gary's saying that the writers probably may not get done anything until January 1st. It's like, oh, man. That's why it's about to get really bad. So if you're already kind of in this box office lull, when you're already experiencing this this uh, 
this desert of content. And obviously we're just getting out of summer and August is is not really a huge month typically, especially in more recent years. But then you kind of try to look ahead and say, yeah, what are some major films that are yet to come out that I'm actually looking forward to? And it's few and far between. It's not looking good. Forever Sci-Fi, who's a member, says, better question is which movie had the first Jennifer Lawrence ever? Oh, that is a good question. That is a much better question. Jordan Wigster says, that's, that's ex-avocado worthy. What are you trying to say? Are you trying to, are you trying to combine ex-humanicado with, with a, with a uh, avocado? How dare you? How dare you try to make anything work with an avocado? That's disgusting. Rob D says, any 4K Blu-rays that you have your eye on? Um, the major one that's an investment is the Babylon 5 series set that's coming out in December. Right now, it's on sale for, I think, $100. So that that's one that I'm looking at. And I'm like kind of ho- kind of holding off a little bit because it's like, okay, this is a brand new release. So it's not like they're going to run out of copies or anything. And for all I know, maybe they try to, to lower the price even a little bit. I know I could pre-order it on like a site like Amazon. And, and there's the pre-order guarantee. So if it happens to drop in price, it'll you know come out. But anyway... Uh, I'm going to go ahead, though, and uh, we'll, we'll, we obviously still have the stream, but if anyone did still want to enter in, and if you are late to the stream on this, I'm not going to tell you how. This is this is one of the perks of being early, but if you were thinking of entering in for uh, the giveaway that I'm doing of Nefarious on Blu-ray, uh, only two people have officially entered. So, anyway, that's all I'll say about that. I'm just using a, a winner in the next couple minutes. Let's see. General Winkster says, so Odin, let's talk all, let's talk all about the American slave trade in authentic detail. <laughs> General Winkster, you are my all time favorite person ever. <laughs> and that's not to put down anyone who has been a longtime supporter. I love you all too, but General Winkster, just a uh, special place in my heart for, for the Winkster man. <laughs> you've been around the whole stream you hopefully realize just how funny that comment really is oh man okay jacobite weissman says i'm sorry it wasn't on topic so moving on is there any movie not (laughs) jacobite so wait at first i thought were you trying to relate it to a movie that i just was not connecting with you just honestly were asking about whether spain had (laughs) sub-saharan slaves what kind of question is that dude come on (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness gracious dude <laughs> i go back to general wingster's comment let's talk about the american slave trade in authentic detail <laughs> let's just let's talk about the civil war let's talk about it in incredible detail <laughs> uh forever sci-fi you call it a strike i call it a reprieve yeah, I mean, obviously, but then again, Forever Sci-Fi, were you going to the theater consistently? Were you watching a lot of newer films consistently? Because it's like a reprieve from what, you know? I guess you could say it's a reprieve for sure from, you know, the interviews and, and from just the the stuck-up pompous clips that you always get from these interviews and stuff like that for sure. Um, but again, for me, it's, it's, it's definitely a reprieve as well, but it's also like I don't really want a reprieve. I definitely want some i <laughs> just want some good content you know or, or at the very least some passable ones oh man 
Uh, Jacobite Weisman, I saw you retract that comment, dude. Like, <laughs> just just move on, dude. Just move on. I don't think it's I don't think I don't think it's working out for you tonight, man. So just <laughs> just move on to something else. Oh goodness, our break our break ridge. Dad is say I have that set ordered. Going to do a full Babylon Five rewatch. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm still in season four. Uh, obviously, since school has started back up, I have not been able to actually. Um, I've not actually been able to to continue watching or to add any more of those episodes of the episodes that I actually have watched. Um, but uh, yeah, can't wait to get it though because everything that I've watched so far has been great, and I'm just excited just to have that higher quality and to be able to to be able to watch it again. You know, because my wife's a big fan of it as well. Oh boy! So so over on. Over on YouTube, General Wingster, of course, he is he is my main pet troll. He is the pet troll. He is the king troll, as it were. King and Rumshki sometimes will try to battle <laughs> on Rumble. King and Rumshki will try to sometimes have a, a cross-stream battle, though, with General Wingster. So King and Rumshki has this to say, I just heard a rumor that there were slaves in Zoolander in the 8th century. <laughs> True. <laughs> Uh, I feel like at some point there has to be like a crossing of the streams in real life where y'all like somehow meet like <laughs> y'all just meet in a space. Odyssey is usually quiet. So maybe it's like one day I'll decide to randomly just meet on Odyssey and have a conversation. I, I don't think I'd be able to handle it. I think honestly it would probably make me laugh too much. So please don't ever do that. But <laughs> oh man, Zoolander is so good though. Zoolander is just such a classic. My wife and I rewatched that one. Well, maybe a month, a month ago at this point. It's just so good, it's just so good, so funny. Joe Wingster. Well, I'm hope I hope I'm entertaining. I've been trying really hard for years now. <laughs> well, you have succeeded, dude. You have succeeded. Remember, sci-fi OMV anime reviews coming soon. I mean, I do watch anime. I don't watch a lot of it. I don't watch the you know, series anime, especially you know, unless it's like rewatching old episodes of Dragon Ball Z. Haven't done that in a long, long time, though. But that would be kind of like the main anime I would watch. But I do like some animated films. You know, obviously, I know differences in, in, in context. Someone's like, animes, not animated movies are different. I know, I know, I know. That's why, actually, earlier this year, I saw Suzume. Suzume was phenomenal. I love Suzume. Um, it was not as good as the other films. I think I'd mentioned that. You know, I think my grade of the film, you know, absolutely reflected where the other films kind of stand in, in my book, but going back and rewatching, cause I remember, you know, your name is still phenomenal. I rewatched that one this year and it was great. I even rewatched, um, weathering with you too. And I was like, Oh, this film is actually a lot, so much better that, that, than I even remember. Um, and I actually really want to watch Izume. I think I mentioned my biggest issue with Suzume was the voice actor that they had for Suzume it just was very distracting, you know, and the only version that I could watch was the dubbed version. And that's opening up that can of worms of the dubbed versus sub debate. Obviously I am by default on team sub again, listening to it in the original language, reading the English subtitles because it, it's, it just catches so much more context. And I, I've mentioned this before. If you really want to see a great example about why objectively subtitled is better than, than, than dubbed is if you watch the film, your name, same director as Suzume and of Weathering With You, and you listen to the English 
especially when one of the characters who they basically these two characters swap bodies with each other. There's a lot more to it, but I don't want to really go into detail because it's a really beautiful film. That you should just watch and experience for the first time without a lot of details. But basically, you have a boy and girl, and they, their their bodies get swapped with one another. And so, one of the characters is talking to um, the girl. The girl's like spirit essence is inside the guys, and so he's talking to the friends. And since it is clearly it's it's the girl's personality, it's kind of like a you know freak freaky Friday kind of thing. You know, she uses male pronoun. Sorry, she uses female pronouns when talking, and immediately like, they're like, "What?" Like, because she ref- she refers to herself in a way that only girls would refer to themselves, and so they freak out. Like, wait, what? And then and then she tries again, and they're like, "What?" Because it's another one. And then finally, she corrects it and goes, and they're like, "Oh, hmm, yes, it's brilliant. It's so funny. You don't get that when you listen to the English dubbed version, though." And so, again, as I said, I think there's an objective standard there. Doesn't mean that I don't enjoy listening to, especially if it's a good voice cast, because. I feel like most of the time, especially for these bigger animes, the English voice cast tend to be pretty good. And that, that might be a, a controversial take for those that are like hardcore anime fans. But uh, Suzume was a phenomenal movie I had to see earlier this year. And I think there is a, is it a Studio Ghibli release or is it just the Miyazaki uh, is coming back with a film that's been already released in Japan and that should be coming out soon. Definitely looking forward to that one. But I can't wait to be able to get Suzume on physical. In fact, now that I'm like thinking about that, because sometimes I'm like so gung ho about these things, but then you know, unfortunately, when it comes to movies like Suzume or any animes, you don't get that. You know, when it gets released here, finally, it's still like a ways away from getting a physical media release. So let me see if that thing is is available yet on physical media, because that's one that I was really a big fan of and was like, I am going to want to buy this one so that I can actually listen to the subtitled version instead. Let's see. That's not a good sign. If that's not the first thing that pops up. Suzume Blu-ray. It's still not available. What? Again, that's what annoys me because it's like, I want to watch it now. (sighs) Anyway, but that one's a good one. Uh, let's see. Jacob Wiseman. I'm sick of villains being sympathetic. Yeah, I mean, a villains not being villains. Yeah, sure. Robbie, speaking of slaves, now I'm picturing drunk 3PO carrying Jeremy on a huge throne to amusement parks on Park Hoppin'. Don't know why. I feel like that should be a thing. I feel like Jeremy should be treated like Xerxes from 300. And yeah, drunk 3PO, uh, Krista, Beardo, all of, <laughs> all of like the... The, the mainstream, you know, people who are either living or are, are typically near the content house are somehow all all brought into it. That'd be hilarious. That'd be great. <laughs> I am JMS. I was Strays. Bro, you know I wasn't going to go see Strays. I have no interest in that movie. And based on the box office for it, it's not looking good. Orange Chat says, Gotta say I'm proud of you all, Father. You have been caught up with the chat fairly well tonight. I know. I have not been falling behind. I, I think it's also because I only had really one main story to talk about. <laughs> which was the the Blue Beetle box office. And there's, you know, not too much going on there. But uh, yeah, if you missed that earlier, I did talk about how Blue Beetle is coming in well underneath projections and how I caught Tony in a lie. If you want to see me catch Tony in a lie, check out the, the beginning of the stream. Let's see. FS86, what's going on? Thanks for staying positive. Hey, having a burger, time to say, what is this? 
A school for ant-sized 5th century Spanish slave traders who don't read good? <laughs> That's a little bit too long in the tooth for, for a quote like that, but <laughs> I do appreciate it nonetheless. What is this? A center for ants? <laughs> how can we expect to teach children how to read if they, don't even, if they can't even fit inside the building? <laughs> He's absolutely right. I have a vision. So good. A school for ant-sized 15th century Spanish slave traders. Ah, where did this, where did they, where did tonight's conversation go? <laughs> we started talking about box office and all of a sudden random comments about slave trade has opened up a whole can of worms. <laughs> Jerry Allen says, I would like to hear your thoughts on Babylon 5, The Road Home. It's an anime form. Uh, it just came out. Yeah, I heard, I heard about it just coming out and I know the director, writer of Babylon 5 who also did this one said, as long as you've watched up to a certain point in Babylon 5, you're not going to get spoiled anything. I, I, I'm I not going to watch anything Babylon 5 related other than the show until I've actually finished the show. So I, I will watch that at some point, but uh, not not anytime soon because I, I still have a ways to go. Uh, Snow Golem 13. What's going on, Snow Golem over on Odyssey? Finally, some, finally some, some life over in the Odyssey chat. Says, Hail Odin, my first was Akira. Talking about anime. My first was Akira, way back when you only could get English subtitled. Didn't do English dubbed till DBZ. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I did watch Akira. It was one of those recommendations that I got in, I wouldn't say it's the early, early days of the channel, but definitely, you know, years ago at this point. And I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I think I was expecting something a bit more. and It was a little bit too weird. It got it gets it gets to that point where just a lot of weird stuff starts happening, and it was very hard for me to buy into it. It's very hard for me to to you know kind of buy in and and get any type of excitement over it. So anyway, we'll we'll, we'll continue to talk in the chat, but I figure I'd go ahead and just uh, close the the giveaway. Two people were able to enter in, and the winner of the giveaway, by the way. So for those, this is why you got to be here early on because sometimes now now that I've kind of you know figured out a way to not make it as complicated. To enter in the giveaways beforehand, you could do, you know, multiple entries and then people got confused. Having it just be the one way of, oh, no, you can just enter in one time, one ticket, and here's how you do it has just made that process a lot easier overall. It used to be such a huge ordeal to do giveaways. But the winner, uh, by the way, if you were wondering what I was giving away, I was giving away Nefarious on Blu-ray. That's why I should be here at the beginning. I should be here at the beginning. You never know. I'm kind of crazy like that. I'm kind of crazy like that. But uh, General Wingster... Congratulations, good sir. General Wingster. Uh, two people had entered in. It was General Wingster and Sherry Allen who had both entered in. Thank you for following. And uh, General Wingster, you are the winner. Claim your prize, General Wingster. And please just confirm if uh, shipping is... I believe General Wingster has won in a, a time previous. So if, if you are still the same. But anyway, nefarious. Congratulations, good sir. All right, let's see. Going back into the chat, let's see. Zane Water says, Princess Mononoke is still amazing. Castle in the Sky and Nausicaa are also fantastic with nice 90s, 1980s anime style. I mean, just, yeah, pretty much everything from Studio Ghibli. I finally watched, I think I mentioned this months ago, was I finally able to watch uh, Grave of the Fireflies. It was just after had, having watched Oppenheimer because my mind was kind of on that you know, World War II mindset and was kind of going down those rabbit holes. And so that kind of led me eventually to watch Gary the Fireflies. Very powerful film. And I think I mentioned it too. This is also an example where the English voice actors, I think, kind of took away some of the emotion. 
Uh, specifically the voice actress that did the English version of the uh, the younger sister in the film. It just, again, was it felt over the top. It felt overdone. Still very, um, still very, very powerful. But yeah, I mean, again, Studio Ghibli and the pretty much anything from Miyazaki are just so great. Let's see. Uh, King Ken Rumsky over on Rumble says... Uh, where do you predict Blue Beetle's box office totals to end up? I mean, domestically, it's coming in underneath Shazam. So we'll have to wait for the international numbers. So we'll have a, I'll have a better idea, and I'll be able to give you a better metric tomorrow once we do the box office breakdown because we'll have the internationals. But based off of that alone, I would have to say it's going to... it's gonna, <laughs> And I know that this is kind of a wide range, but this is kind of where I am. It's going to come in somewhere between... Uh, Shazam 2 and The Flash. And in either case, it's not good for for that movie. Right? In either case, it's not good. Blue Beetle costs around $120 million to make. That means it needs to make roughly $300, $350, million, $360 million worldwide to break even. It, it's not in a good position. So, uh, The Flash made $268 million worldwide. So I think that that would be a tops. I don't think it's going to get there. I do not think it will. But again, maybe maybe Tony will be right. Maybe this film will be huge amongst the Hispanic populations. This is coming from Tony over at Deadline who said that this was going to happen. Maybe it'll over-index and it'll do incredibly well in Mexico or in other South American countries for all. Again, do I think that's going to happen? I don't. I think this film is going to play out basically similar to what we're seeing here domestically. And it would not surprise to see this film get somewhere closer to Shazam 2. And Shazam 2 had one of the worst, you know, it did not have the, it was not the biggest flop of this year because the film didn't cost as much as a film like The Flash or a film like Indiana Jones, Donald Destiny, or a film like Mission Impossible, for instance. Um, but Shazam only made $132 million worldwide. So, uh, yeah, that that's kind of where I'm thinking between 132, maybe 230 million. In either cases, we're talking box office flop. Yet another box office flop for Warner Brothers. The only huge win they have this year is Barbie. And even there, they still have to split the the revenue with, with Mattel. So they're not going to be able to make up the, the losses that they've seen this year. Let's see. Uh, Savory Bear over on Rumble. Didn't tag, but I saw the comment. Uh, says, notice the beads and the cross. Yes, I am Catholic. Yeah, this is a... Uh, St. Michael the Arch- Saint Michael the Archangel Chaplet uh, subscribers sent this to me um, quite a while ago. So it's kind of been a part of my microphone for well over a year, I feel, at this point. Yeah. Uh, we shenanigans. I'm going to get into your comment. I'm sorry it's taken me a little while, um, but I'm, I'm going to be getting to your comment. Don't, don't you worry, okay? Don't you worry. In fact, we'll go ahead and do that one now. We shenanigans. Thank you very much for the $10. Su- Super chat. Appreciate you, man. Uh, he says, how stoked are you for Gran Turismo? That's really the only film coming up in the near future that I have any anticipation for, uh, especially after hearing, oh, is it Critical Drinker's review? Critical Drinker, did he have an early review? I think he did. And um, yes, 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 he did, because he, he was the one that was speaking of his own appreciation for um, for the, the for the director, for Neil Blomkamp. So, I'm a huge fan of District 9. I think District 9 is just fantastic. It's a great sci-fi movie. 
and it's sad that he has not really been able to recapture that same magic. I thought that Elysium was a giant disappointment. There's some things in there that I enjoy. He's clearly a competent director, but the writing is just not there for that movie. Um, and then for Chappie, I think the, I think the movie is just, it has the wrong title. So I, I went in with the wrong uh, ex- expectations. If it was called Deant with the movie, I would have understood it because the entire movie is really more so about the band Deantwood than it is about a robot named Chappie, or at least just as much about a robot named Chappie. So maybe if it was like Deantwood, the Chappie story, or Deantwood and Chappie, maybe that, maybe that. But uh, so, but I, I still I do like his work, and so when I heard he was the director, immediately I was like, okay, this film is not going to be your generic film. It might not be good, but it's not going to be your generic run of the mill video game adaptation. Critical Drinker's review sold me on that. He was he's the one that really confirmed, okay, this movie is going to be more than what you would expect it to be. So I am actually very excited for the film. I have I don't know if I got my ticket yet, um, but I'm definitely going to be getting my I'm definitely going to be getting my ticket very very soon because uh, I'm excited for it. Again, do I think it's going to be the best film of the year? Do I think it's going to be in my my top three? No, but. It, it's a film based off of uh, based off of drinkers reactions. It could be in my top 10, top five. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. But anyway, we should, against thank you again for that very generous super chat, man. Sorry. It took me a while to get there. Um, but uh, I have ADD and so I'm kind of all over the place sometimes. Let's see. Uh, King and Rumsky over on rumble says prayer question. Do you ever pray to angels? If so, when and why? That's a good question. So we pray for, you know, as Catholics, we believe, for one, we believe in the presence of angels. This is something that we see very much rooted in Scripture. We also believe in guardian angels. This is actually also rooted in Scripture as well. There is a passage in the uh, the New Testament where there is reference to, um, I, I believe it's Jesus speaking about children, and there is a reference to to angels. There's a reference to each one having their 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 angel, and so there is there's context there. So we in the Catholic Church believe that there are guardian angels. Obviously, in the church, it's been the the teaching has been further expounded that you know from when we are created, right from when we are born, each of us have a guardian angel, and so there is a prayer. So we can pray, you know, for the intercession of guardian angels, and it all comes down to this, right? Sometimes there is this wrong false perception. I got into a debate actually with somebody who used to be in the chat all the time, actually, over this question. We as Catholics do not worship saints. We do not worship Mary. We do not worship the angels. It's more of we recognize that God is all-powerful. God is so powerful that God can intercede for us in so many different ways. Sometimes God can intercede directly, but other times he can intercede through mediators. He can intercede through, um, you know, through beings such as angels such as uh, as the saints, right? Those those in heaven who are, you know, face-to-face with the beatific vision and so can work through those those people, can work through angels as well to, to bring about grace in our lives. And so we are always invited to to pray for the intercession of, of saints, pray for the intercession of angels. That's why we have also the, arch, the archangels as well, right? St. Gabriel, St. Raphael, and also Saint uh, Saint Michael the Archangel, of course. And so, actually, most churches these days will, at least at my church, I can say we always end mass uh, with the prayer of Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. So, uh, typically, we pray that. So, 
Sometimes we're invited to, again, there is that prayer for, for our guardian angels intercession. We can pray that every day. And basically, it's all about asking for help. We recognize that we are human. We are faulted, right? We have faults. We are weak. We are weak without the grace of God. And so we ask for God to grant that grace. And we can ask for that grace, obviously, directly. But we can also ask through the intercession. We've seen that in Scripture, how has God interceded in the world? He has interceded directly, but he's also sent his angels, right? We've also seen him send others, right? We've seen him send his saints. And so we recognize that God works in a multitude of ways. It's always from God. It's only through God. Um, But uh, anyway, hopefully that answers the question, King and Rumsky. Since we're towards the end of the stream, I can get more theological, I think. Uh, Savory Bear kind of adds on to that attack to say, do you believe that Jesus, his spirit lives inside of you? So again, I guess it depends. For me, I've always been bothered by by language. Um, So basically... God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? One, one God, one divine nature, three divine persons, right? One nature, three divine persons. So I also, of course, recognize that, well, what is one of the natures, or rather, sorry, what is one of the qualities of God's nature? That God is omnipresent, that God is at all times and at all places, so yes, do I think that God is present within me? Yes, I think God is present within all people. Now, whether we answer, whether we respond to God's presence in our life, that's where free will comes into play. We get to choose whether we act on God's grace in our life or not. So if you mean it in that context, then yes. If 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 you meet it more in, I guess I could say the Platonic, right? Kind of looking in the philosophy of Plato. Um, this is the only reason why I mentioned this up is actually because of the fact that in school right now, we're about to jump into talking about Plato. I do an intro to philosophy for my, for my students and Plato had an understanding and a belief that humans are body and soul and the soul is trapped in the body. That is anti-Christian, right? Or more so that's anti-Catholic Catholic, you know, Catholics do not believe the soul is trapped in the body. We believe that humans are body soul composite, meaning to be human is to be both body and soul, that we are so, our soul is so intertwined with our body. That's one of the reasons also why we have the the teaching that we believe in, again, rooted, of course, in scripture of the resurrection of the body. Because though the soul, of course, is such a crucial part of, of what it means to be human, so is the body, right? What, what are angels? Angels are pure spirit. What are humans? Body and spirit, body and soul. So uh, anyway, hopefully that makes some sense. We do not believe, again, in a, a soul trapped in the body scenario or that God would be trapped in us in any way. It's more of a, our soul is such, is so intimately, you know, the soul is the body, the body is the soul, right? Because human beings are simply body and soul. Anyway, hopefully that makes sense. I'm rambling. And again, I appreciate your, your questions over there. Uh, IMJMS says, yeah, you're right. That movie looks awful. Uh, I forget which one I was talking about at that point. <laughs> uh, but we'll go ahead and get to these last comments here before we end things tonight. Sorry if it got too theological for some people, but some people enjoy those uh, conversations. Uh, General Wingster, let's see, says, yeah, I'm going to pass on that. Okay, Doves email you later, but Matt Damon. Okay. <laughs> oh, Wingster, 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 Wingster. Uh, Jacobite, do you know of any good creationist-themed movies? Uh... Not being a creationist myself, at least in the way in which that term is typically thrown around, no. I I do not know any top of my head. Jeremy Cassidy, tonight's uh, tonight's stream, Odin will talk about Blue Beetle's performance and 
15th century Spanish slave trade. Yeah, maybe I should change the title, Jeremy Zakowski. Maybe I should be like, uh, in my topics, I have the Blue Beetle mentioned, and then instead of box office talk, 15th century slave trade talk. Sub subs more specifically, right? Uh, Spanish sub-Saharan slave trade. Going back to the original question, it was, <laughs> did Spain have sub-Saharan slaves? What? What? <laughs> Hammond and Burger. In fairness, the entry process for the DVD. Uh, giveaway was share your thoughts on the historic <laughs> slave trade with Andalusia. <laughs> if you've been around all stream, you get that joke. <laughs> oh, maybe that's how I need to change it. Maybe that's how I have people enter in. It's like instead of saying, hey, yeah, enter in this specific phrase that will get, you know, the, the bot that I have set up to <laughs> to bring you to bring you into the giveaway. Instead, I should just be like, yeah, if you want to enter in to win this movie, you have to give your deep th philosophical thoughts about the Spanish sub-Saharan slave trade. <laughs> Southeastern Kaiju, better than Black Adam. I assume that's about Blue Beetle. Um, I would much rather watch Black Adam. I don't like either film, but I'd much rather watch Black Adam. Heartbreak Ridge, I say, not that I'm expecting it to be totes amazing, but Equalizer 3 should be fun enough. I, I do appreciate the first two movies. I finally watched the first two movies in full uh, just over the last few months, and I enjoyed them. So I am ready and excited for, for Equalizer 3. South Kaiju. South, Southeastern Kaiju, as a member says, I'd think that the uh, Kukul Clan, a.k.a. Num the Kukul Khan, Kukul Khan, looked like something very, very different. With, with three sets of Ks, Southeastern, uh, a.k.a. Namur, now you're speaking my language, would be better received than Blue Beetle. I don't know about that one. They're both pretty bad. I think if you mean the individual character of Blue Beetle versus the individual character of Namur, yes. I would completely agree with you there. Let's see. Southeastern Kaiju. Dinosaurs existed, exactly. I am not of the mindset that... And again, there are people that do believe this, and I'm not trying to make fun of them, but it is kind of hard to to not kind of laugh. Um, but there are those that believe that dinosaurs did not exist and that Satan has planted dinosaur bones to make us confused and doubt. I am not of that a variety, so uh, <laughs> not of that variety. Uh, General Wingster, ah, honey. You can just hand me the movie when you come upstairs. Oh, funny, General Wingster. General Wingster is not the Lady Freya. I want to make that very abundantly clear. I want to make it abundantly clear, okay? How dare you? How dare you, General Wingster? I'm offended. Uh, Marshall J. What's going on, Marshall J, too? Uh, oh, do you still think Barbie will beat overall Super Mario Brothers box office numbers? Um, again, the tracking that we had after the first two weeks... That was the direction in which it was going. Every weekend that we've seen since then it is continuing on, right? Um, right now, we're looking at Barbie's Friday to Friday drop being 38%. So we're looking at another 30, 40% drop for Barbie. And this film has now been out 29. I can't believe the film has actually been out for a month now. It's at $1.2 billion at this point in time. And. The reason why we can kind of look at the uh, at the numbers right now and and kind of still insinuate uh, or rather still look at this film and think it's going to it's going to be able to to beat Mario is for a couple reasons. I'll, I'll go ahead and pull this up. So since it was asked why I think Barbie will still meet uh, still beat Super Mario Brothers, right? After 39 after 29 days, sorry, after 29 days it's at 1.2 billion dollars. 
Super Mario, it took the entire run to get to 1.3. So, again, this movie is right now very clearly on track. Domestically, it's at 551 right now. Um, domestically, it got to 574, talking about Super Mario Brothers. It's expected to make another 20 plus million dollars this weekend. So this number is going to jump is going to jump up. So it's either going to pass Super Mario Brothers this weekend domestically or it's going to pass it on Monday. So it's already going to beat the domestic. And then if you look at the international 659 versus 7083, it's going to add another big chunk of money this weekend. Going to get pretty close to if not past 700 million dollars and so ultimately it's tracking well enough domestically where it's going to add a lot more. We're looking now at it getting well over $600 million domestic. Talking about Barbie. So even if it doesn't get to the same heights as Super Mario's International, it's going to be able to make up some of that ground in the domestic market. So again, I do still think that it's a good chance. And here's the other example. Here's, here's kind of the proof or evidence. Look at the dailies here. So at the fifth Friday mark, um, Mario was at 503 Right now, Barbie's at 551. So it's it's percentage trend ahead of Mario is to such a degree, right? Uh, first fifth Friday, 6.2 versus 4.2. So two million advantage there. It is now still strong enough to where we're probably and again going to the weekend, right? Saturday to Sunday. So let's see, four, twelve, uh, seventeen. So, yeah, we're looking at Barbie getting another 20 plus million dollars this weekend. That will be over what it made, over what Mario had made. So, yeah, I, I, I do ultimately think, long story short, yes, I still do think it's going to happen. Savory Bear over on Rumble says, I mean it in the sense of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. Do you guys believe that also? Hold on, let me get that. I mean, in the sense of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. At the moment of salvation. Well, here's the problem, Savory Bear. So here's here's where I think that we're, I'm starting to understand where you're coming from. So obviously, at the moment of our baptism, we are cleansed of the stain of original sin. Right? We, we are cleansed of the stain of original sin. However, we still live. We still live. We still make choices. That means that we still fall into sin. And so, therefore, the only way that true salvation is actually won, and we can find this directly in Scripture, too. I mean, the letter of St. James is, I think, a great example of this, that uh, faith and works, rather, faith without works, the, the quote from Scripture, faith without works is dead. If we don't live our faith, if we don't actually put our faith into practice, then we have a dead faith. So the only way that salvation can actually be attained is if we run the race, as St. Peter says. Right? We have to run the race. Or is it St. Paul? Either way, Saint, <laughs> it's the end of the stream. We have, to, we have to run the race and we have to finish the race. There, there's not a singular moment where it's like, oh, I'm now saved. No, 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 no. Right? Christ won victory over Satan. But we have to claim that victory. If we do not claim that victory by what? Living our life. Not just one singular moment of our life, but living every moment of our life till the very moment of our death, trying to grasp onto that victory, then that victory can slip away. So hopefully that makes more sense. Michael A., does your parish have a rotation in which each of your priest deacons preach the homily at all weekend masses? Mine does as many parishes in my archdiocese. Uh, typically at my parish... Typically, it is the pastor who, who who preaches the homily. There are every now and then we have our associate pastor who 
who is a priest, he will uh, obviously the, the the masses that he celebrates, he will uh, he will give the homily. In the Novus Ordo, in the English Mass, I know that the deacons will uh, will give the homily on occasion. I go to the traditional Latin Mass, so at the traditional Latin Mass, it is going to always be the priest. So uh, that's one of the reasons why one of the many reasons why I go. It's just it just makes so much more sense. Uh, Zane says, it's good to see we have so much in common in our theological beliefs despite being different denominations. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's always fun having these these discussions to see what we have similarities and what we um, what we dis- differ over too. Rob D says, and Warner Brothers is going to blow it when Gun Superman film is revealed to have a $500 million production budget because ego. I mean, let's just be frank. It's going to cost a ton of money. And it, it's going to cost such a great amount of money. And the the amount of money that the DC films have made so far... Blue Beetle, great example. Shazam, great example. Even The Flash. There is no longer a market for those movies. The DC hardcore fans that you had left, you sent packing. I would say there were still probably some hanging on even after you you kicked Snyder on the curb. The hardcore Snyder bros. If you had kept, right? If you, James Gunn, had kept Henry Cavill and made a big deal about that being your next big project, you would then, I think, have the chance to capture lightning in a bottle. But instead, what did you do? You said, I'm going to heme and haw and say, no, we're doing a different direction, and then I'm just going to completely lie about this and everything else. And now what do you have? You've got massive flop in Shazam 2, massive flop in The Flash, massive flop in the only film that you were kind of taking, you were kind of giving credit to as being a part of your universe, but not officially a part of your universe, Blue Beetle now being a flop. There's just no real road ahead. So I don't think it's going to happen at all. I I don't think that he's going to see any success personally, but those are my general thoughts. But anyway, we are at the end of the stream, everybody. A little over time tonight, but very good discussion. A lot of really great questions as well. Snow Gollum on Odyssey was like, never going to see watch, never going to watch Barbie. And I don't blame you, dude. Uh, you're, you're not really missing anything. I can, I can definitely confirm that. So uh, thank you all again for understanding. Uh, I know that there was a little bit of up in the air of whether the stream would happen with baby Thor having been sick earlier. Uh, so again, luckily he has been feeling a lot better having not gotten any word from from <laughs> from anyone upstairs i will assume that everything went fine let me go ahead and actually try to um uh see right now if 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 baby thor is is in bed and feeling okay um oh sweet 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 baby yep yep he's he oh okay that may, that that's him you may not see it that well but he is he is asleep he has passed out and again, he woke up towards the very beginning of his nap and obviously got very, very sick. So glad to see that he is asleep, uh, clearly feeling a lot better. So again, thank you all very much for understanding and for for just always being awesome. Seriously, you guys have just always been so supportive. And I still argue to this day, you are the best community on the internet. And I stand by those comments. Um, yes, I, I do think Marshall... So Marshall J, since I know that you came in tw- kind of late... Uh, about Rachel Zegler's attitude towards the original. What are your thoughts that it, whether or not it's going to flop or not? I think there's a good chance. I think there's a good chance that it will flop. And again, I, I, I kind of go back to what does the history tell us right now? The Disney live action films have not been guaranteed hits. We know that the film probably will have cost as much as a little mermaid and little mermaid lost money. And I think because of this, especially you'll probably see less people go to see it. So 
Anyway, because of all of that, we'll go ahead and end it there. Uh, I see there's more comments. I just don't have the time to be able to answer, especially one of them. Savory Bear, bro, come come around another time, and I'd be I'd be happy to have a a uh, a conversation further about that, especially if we ever have an open forum where we can talk more freely about theological subjects. But anyway, you guys seriously are all amazing and beautiful people. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your evening. And as always, God bless.